1: I, I worked retail long enough. I despise getting out on Black Friday. And I don't know why anybody in their right mind would.
2: Um, deals.
1: Yeah, but here's what nobody realizes yes, they have those deals, but most of the stuff they've ordered like way more than they're actually going to sell on Black Friday. Oh, yeah. And so they're actually still there. And if you'll wait to like the week before Christmas, mm-hmm. the stores start to panic and they start to mark them down sometimes even better than Black Friday. Yeah, so,
2: um, well, and and also there's so many vendor agreements nowadays. It's really hard to get a great deal. I mean, I was um, one of the things a lot of people don't realize is most items. Occasionally, there'll be a, a, a certain retailer will work out a deal with a vendor where they can sell one item super cheap, but most of the time, uh, all items are going to be priced according to what is called MAP, which is Minimum Advertised Price. And that changes from time to time. And so whenever you see something go on sale, that's generally dictated not by the retailer, but often by the manufacturer. So um, (laughs) there's your shopping tip.
1: There's your your shopping
2: tip for the day. You know, shop around. You might find one with with certain retailers, but I mean, it's very rare. I mean, and now there are certain items that maybe you can get only on a Black Friday deal, but that's very, very rare.
1: Uh, Yeah, this isn't like the Cabbage Patch craze of the 80s. This is... This is really most things today. Somebody's got some version of it, right? And let's just be honest, most of them are just as good
2: as the other, right?
1: I I hear the heathens are going wild, yeah.
2: The natives are going at it again. I don't know what's going on out there. So, um, so yeah, but so I'm not, I know you're not here for shopping tips. Um, that and Black Friday is already long past for you. So, greetings from the past. Um, We're time travelers. Yep. So anyway, um, what are we talking about today?
1: The Tower of Babel. And this has got to be like to me. This is one of the most fascinating stories in the Bible, and it, it always has been. It's just a weird story.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it is strange. So so why do you find it fascinating?
1: Well, Chuck, let me tell you. No, uh, oh, I mean, it's
2: you're gonna you're gonna throw that out there. Well, it's fascinating. <laughs>
1: It's fascinating because it it didn't make sense to me as a kid. I I remember that weird, you know, God's getting onto these people because they want to be close to him. And that was wrong. But then you're going to turn around and give an altar call at the end of your service so I can be closer to God. And that just didn't compute. And even as a kid, I was picking up on that kind of disconnect.
0: Mm.
2: Well. Yeah, I, I can see how you get there. I mean, that does that does seem like the same kind of uh, same kind of reasoning that you'd get from like some some detractors of of the faith that want to say that, uh, you know, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden for being punished because they wanted knowledge. And why would that happen when all over the Bible we're told to study and we're told to learn? Um, but then and and they they tend to think that's God acting contrary to Himself and.
1: Well, and I think that's where you got to have all the pieces in place. Yeah, because the the whole purpose and function, I think, is that God um, God wanted th- them to turn to Him for knowledge. I mean, you have got the Creator of the universe there. If there's anything you want to know, what better source? And right to to go to an illicit source, th- then there's a problem.
2: Yeah, and and we still, I mean, and it's funny. <laughs> Now that I, you know, this just popped in my head, just kind of, it's funny when you put it that way, because we're still kind of doing the same thing. We don't, we don't want to put the work in. We want a pill that'll, a pill that'll make us smart, a pill that'll help us focus, a pill that will uh, help us lose weight and whatever you want. Uh, and and so it's like, oh, we'll just, just eat this and it'll make your problems go away. Um, that didn't work for Alice. It, it, oh man. It helped with some of her problems. Just depending, you know, she just had to apply the right one.
1: So, and we should clarify if you need meds for whatever, yeah, we're not <laughs>
2: anti-meds. we're but you know, it's they're a tool they're they're a tool and and they're to help you get where you need to go. Um so, yeah, sorry, that that was kind of a, but but d- doing it to try to bypass everything else is that's where you run into trouble,
1: yeah. if if it's just the answer for you, then you're probably approaching it wrong. If it's one, thing that you're using for an overall plan Uh then it's probably a good
2: thing so that's okay well let's let's look at this so so we look at we you talked about god punishing them Mm -hmm. so i i know you may have had this later on in your notes but why do why is it that god would punish them um for wanting to build this tower
1: well we got a couple of different things going on and that that's where it, it starts to get interesting because you're, you're looking at, number one, this is following the flood, mm-hmm. and the command that God gave them getting, coming off the, the ark is that they're supposed to go out into the world, they're supposed to fill and populate the world, and they are building the city directly to counter what God has commanded them to do. Right? They do not want to be dispersed across the, the world because they've realized there's strength in numbers. and mm-hmm. It's not just a tower that people might make an annual pilgrimage to. It really is a place for them to dwell and to stay. And that's, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's one of the problems. And the other problems really don't become apparent unless you begin to see the context of the story. And the context of the story, I think, is very interesting. And one of my big points, guys, when you read your Bible, don't just read it on your phone if you will actually pick up a, a hard copy of it and you can read the, the headings before and after, you'll notice that what comes immediately before the Tower of Babel, which, uh, by the way, is found in Genesis 11, um, is where the story is. Right before the, the Tower of Babel, you have the genealogies of Shem. And then right after you pick up with the genealogies of Shem again. And so why is there the story in the middle of these genealogies because if you read the story closely the first thing you're going to notice about it is there's no names not a right. single individual is identified and it's and it's kind of that's about the only jarring thing in the story when you've read through all the genealogies and then you get to a point there's no name says so name 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 nine verses of no names and then name 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 again
2: right it's it's kind of the, the the very thing they were after to make a name for themselves was the very thing that they were, right? They, they were denied in the whole process,
1: completely denied, and and that's but you don't get that unless you know the context. Right. If you just pull it out and put it on a flannel graph, then you you lose that. Right. And so go
2: ahead now, and, and just real quick, you know, we, <laughs> we did a, We did an episode on the retellings, and you were we, we we're talking about uh you, you mentioned the flood and they were supposed to spread out and. and fill the earth and the uh this is kind of retelling of eden when they were sent out from eden they were told to go and be fruitful and multiply and and so you have that going on and now whenever god tells people to go in the world and and this is actually one of those things that i I find interesting you know and of course we reference Heiser all the time because he's just (laughs) he's brilliant but it was that you know you have Eden, but we're supposed to go out. You know, the original mission was for man to, to turn the world into an Edenic state, to, to, to take the dominion over it, to make, make God's kingdom the whole earth. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because you get in those retellings and it's, you get there, you get the flood, you get, and then we, we just screw it up all the time. And then, and then you, you keep going and then you get to the Great Commission and mm-hmm. it's the same retelling over and over and people think the Great Commission is something new. It's like no, it's one of the very first things God told oh, yeah. us. But you know, you, we know what's funny is because we're so we're so Western church and we're so obsessed with sex that what did God tell us? Oh, He said, he said be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> he said have lots of, You know, that, that's the part that we pick up on. It's not it's not go and take dominion. It's have sex. That's the like God said we could have sex. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to derail you there, but that just that I, whole like train of thought just like it's just so funny because that's where we, that's where we stop. It's be fruitful and multiply and take dominion over the earth. It's kind of like you know so many other verses we read out of context.
0: I
1: actually had a had a teacher at you, and one of the things he said is we should maybe we should stop and consider that the be fruitful and multiply command has been fulfilled, and right. we can stop now. <laughs>
2: So I guess it do depends, the rest. On, depends on where you're at. Yeah. Take dominion. Yeah. look, well, yeah, it's uh, yeah, actually do, do something with the people we have here now. So, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to go on that whole rabbit trail. Out, just, my mind just spiraled out of control.
1: Well, we're, we're kind of obsessed even in the church and I can even go into that, but we won't. So, but this is actually one of those passages I wish everybody could read Hebrew with because it is like, it's witty. Uh huh. And I don't think we realize how witty God is, how the Bible has been written. And so, and I won't bore everyone with all the grammar and everything, but I'll just point out one example. Uh, There's the, they want to make a name for themselves Mm -hmm. and the Hebrew word is Shem. Right. So you've got three letters that um, appear over and over again in that word. Then they want to build there. And the word for there is Shem. Right. And then the word for heavens, because they want to build a tower in the heavens, is shemaim. Okay. So shem, sham, shemaim. And this is repeated over and over again. And you kind of get this um, you corrected my pronunciation on it, uh, leitmotif. Uh, Light motif. Leitmotif. motif. A musical turn that, uh, that theologians have picked up on and said, hey, there's, there's this aspect, this guiding word, this guiding premise that's going to set the tone for the entire passage and for this passage it's that shem shame sham over and over again that just kind of lulls you into this very monotonous telling and it doesn't get um th- there's no real jarring moment within the story itself the mm-hmm. story placement is jarring but the story itself is, is just kind of it's monotonous
2: so you're you're saying okay so basically well so what's really funny is because you say it's monotonous, but it's put between between two genealogies. How much more monotonous do you get? But I, I would assume that now again, I'm not a Hebrew scholar you are, so I'm guessing that you've got your you've got your uh your genealogies, you're going through the begats mm-hmm. and everyone is um you know, there's like a rhythm to those right. but then you're saying even that monotonous rhythm is interrupted with. An even slower, more monotonous rhythm, it's like, yeah, it's like listening to contemporary worship music. There's like the slow, but then you got the rhythm, but then then you drop out the bottom for the bridge, so everyone <laughs> pays attention. is that
0: yeah, okay, yeah, it's actually
1: <laughs> that's actually uh, way better of an illustration than I thought it was going to be, so <laughs> I mean uh, but yeah, and, and that's that's the funny part about this because when you're reading it, it's just like if you read it in the Hebrew and you actually read it out loud and you to remember this was written to be read out loud, right? Because not everyone had books. And so, and before that it would have been oral history. Now,
2: Yeah. And, and so if you're constructing it for an oral history, that's something that's memorable. You know, you got, you know, and we do that in sermons today where you have the three points and they all start with re or they all end with T I O N or, or some the alliteration. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we love alliteration. Um, and it's
1: or or the uh, acronyms
2: acronyms yeah you know it's actually it's really funny um one of well, i have a a coworker who is from england and she said when she first moved here and i don't remember how many years ago she moved but she said she was struck by how many uh rhyming sayings that we have we have like all these rhyming idioms apparently they don't they didn't have the uh like uh I'm trying to think of something like, blowing and going, or uh, <laughs> you know, just those things where. and you, This is what stands out to her. This is what stands out to her, but you know, because, but she's she's an English teacher, right? Well, that and makes so, sense. so she's going to be looking at stuff like that. She also speaks like five languages, so you know, she's she's used to studying. I'm language. like in awe now. Yeah, she's she's brilliant. Um, we we'll probably have to have her on at some point, but we'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, well, and the other so couple of just, before we actually jump into the story, uh, a couple of things to point out. This is the last major event that affects all of humanity simultaneously. Okay. I, after that, everything starts to break down with God dealing with individual people groups. Right. Because he's gonna di- he divides the world, uh, as we're told in Deuteronomy 32, 89. So that's important, because up to this point, you know, in the Garden of Eden, all of humanity is affected by the events there the right. flood all of humanity is affected by the events there now um the tower of babel this is this is the final event now the other really interesting thing is in all of the ancient near east you will find stories about the creation the flood you'll find various versions of it you'll you'll hear different uh, retellings about their flood story, their particular heroes, what have you. There is no parallel to this in any of the ancient literature.
2: Uh, to which one? The Babel? The, the Tower of Babel. Okay. That's uh, interesting.
1: It, it really is because the whole story is a major swipe. It, it, it is a major put down against these other cultures. You mean like a polemic? Very much like a polemic, <laughs> but at the same time, it's a very snarky polemic. Yeah. Well, that's, it's that's really. Fantastic.
2: Yeah. It's really funny. Um, <laughs> How little people realize the Bible utilizes sarcasm, and um I mean it's so funny, like uh Paul when he's talking about circumcision, and he's like, well I, it'd be nice if they just slipped the blade and <laughs> just, just finish the job, job. <laughs> yeah, you go ahead and castrate themselves and and Jesus, you know when uh, when which one was it? there was one where the crowd's coming for him, and they' they he's like. I've done lots of great works. Which of these good things are you coming to crucify me for? <laughs> you know, it's like or coming to punish, me, or coming to stone me for, I think is what it was. Yeah, you he's know, like
1: Okay, so we we've got that aspect. We can it's like you need know, to be more like Jesus. We can do the sarcasm. I'm on it. Yeah, done. the rest of it, yeah. That's so unmatched. <laughs> uh um, So, we actually uh, should we read through the story?
2: Uh, uh you know, what? let's not do a full okay. read, um but go ahead uh, and just Okay, so I'm going to pick up
1: the verse that I want to pick up Yeah, because uh, they said, and this is, this is going to be a very important phrase, and I'm actually, this is a different version than I typically read from. Uh, this is the Jewish Publication Society, so if you're reading from the ESV um, and have been reading along with us and it sounds different, that's why, but you can follow. They said to one another, this is verse 3, Genesis eleven three. 3, they said to one another, come let us make bricks and burn them hard. Bricks serve them as stones and bitumen served them as mortar. And they said, come, let us build a city and a tower with a top in the sky to make a name for ourselves, else we shall be scattered over the world. So first of all, they're going to build this tower. And I think most of us know, um, or if you spend any time in in ancient studies, this tower would be what we refer to as a ziggurat. Right. This is the step-sided Tower and this it's like is the
2: blocky pyramid, like the pixelated pyramid. Almost
1: <laughs> like um the Aztec Mayan sure. kind of that's those are really good images. It's that same form. And this is where we get into trouble because we think that they're building this tower so that they can go up to heaven and somehow challenge God. Mm-hmm. And that's not why they're doing it. They are actually they're building this tower because these towers serve, serve as a stairway for the gods to be able to descend. Right, and by building this tower, if it was any other god, then the idea would be that God would come, would be, would have to come down in this particular particular location, and so they could control, like a lightning rod. Yeah, yeah, that they could control where God is going to show up, when he's going to respond, And, and throughout the Bible, when you start realizing that there's this element of people trying to control God, you start finding in the stories. Time and time again, where God's basically saying, you do not get to control me. Right. And I, I love that aspect because what good's a God that humanity can control?
2: Well, you actually kind of see that um, in, that's that's one of the possible, uh, one of the proposed representations of, or interpretations of, of Yahweh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, who will I say is Yahweh has sent me. And when God says, I am, he's saying, I am what I'm going to be. Yeah. And I, you I don't, will be you, yeah, you don't get to, yeah, I'll be what I'll be. And that's all, that's all you need to know.
1: He, he was basically denying Noah even the name. Because in the Egyptian Moses. culture... Uh, sorry, Moses. Yeah. One of those dudes with the long beard. Uh, so, uh, but he was denying Moses the name in a lot of ways. Because in the Egyptian culture, if you knew the name of a god, then you could control the god. Right. And so here's God saying, no, you don't get to control me. He's doing the same yep. thing here.
2: We don't do things like we did in Egypt is what he's saying.
1: Pretty, yeah, pretty much. And, and I think we miss that because we're so accustomed to the story. And we think, oh, look, God's actually telling Noah his name, or Moses his name. I don't know why I'm stuck on Noah. You know, God's actually telling Moses his name. Different arc. Yeah, different arc. This is true. Uh,
2: yeah. And a different story.
1: <laughs> we could get.
2: <laughs> you see what I did there. I see what you did there. So anyway, so yeah, but I, no, I think that's interesting, though, that, that you have like, This is kind of a a foretelling of what's going to happen later with Moses, Mm -hmm. and and you know not necessarily that Moses is going to try to control God, you know he argues with him a plenty, but that God says, hey, you know what? When people say, "Who sent you?" just tell them uh, that God who's going to take care of me.
1: Yeah, well, and that's that's the point is, are we going to rely on God for everything? And we're back to Eden again, where are you going to rely on God for the information? Mm -hmm. Are you going to let God be the one who teaches you? Or are you going to go outside to a different source? And that, you know, that's really the temptation all of us have. Are we really going to rely on God? Right. Or
2: like a theme.
0: Yeah.
1: That's been (laughs) lasting for millennia. But these, these ziggurats, uh, we actually have tablets with different names on them. They're, they show up everywhere in the ancient near East. And a lot of them have names like the foundations of heaven and earth. or uh where heaven and earth meet uh the gateway between heaven and earth which actually babel the word itself doesn't mean confused or to to right. talk incoherently the ancient name for babel is actually the gate of god
2: that that actually to me was really interesting to to learn that so that when when you said that i was like hmm. well that definitely changes things i always love it whenever I, we find out that uh a biblical word or name doesn't mean what we always assumed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, stuff like, um, you had a great example of this. Was it uh with Nimrod? Oh, that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh Bug's Bunny uh was kind of changed our perception of what the word Nimrod meant because he called Elmer Fudd Nimrod, um, because Nimrod was a, known to be a great hunter. And uh but when when uh, Bugs Bunny says it in that context, it sounds like he's insulting him and calling him stupid. And so now Nimrod in our in Western society often connotates someone being stupid. Um, and then even and then even Goliath, uh, you know, a lot of people think Goliath means giant, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, but it means to to ship uh, strips shamefully naked. And, and
1: <laughs> see, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and my poor pet dog.
2: <laughs> and so, no, it's it's really funny because it's really funny to me. Is um, I I used to work for a liquor distributor, um, driving trucks. And there's there's a type of wine called Rex Goliath, and Rex <laughs> means king. And so it's really funny because the wine is the king of stripping shamefully naked.
1: <laughs> so the emperor's new clothes come into play.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, so I thought that was really funny. It's like you're using that word, but I I don't think you I don't think it means what you think it means.
1: Well, and there's there's another aspect to this too that not only is this going to be a place where God can come down in the Akkadian, which is an ancient civilization that was around during this time, uh-huh. their um, creation story specifically says. You know, uh, actually, let me just read it so I don't uh, don't mess it up. This is talking about w- during the time coming out of that that chaos time that we talked about with uh, Genesis. Says when no brick was laid, no brick mold was formed. That's actually part of their creation story. So creation begins with the building of
2: bricks. That's interesting. So now does it, Does that story go on to and do, like? Do their gods build the world with bricks?
1: Actually, it's their gods that build the temple. It's their gods that build the the ziggurat. For um, trying to remember which Acadian god it is that he's going to use he's, he commands the gods to build it it's not even a human endeavor so
2: so that's that takes it even farther because now you've got people at, at babel arrogating them, themselves to the position of god in another way that like they um, right that if it's the gods in that that mythology that built the temple then basically they're saying well we have the power of god
1: Right, and the thing is, it's it's funny because I mean they even have pictures displaying the gods making the bricks and molding them and and baking them, huh. and and so this is very much a part of their culture, and this is very central to how people worshipped. Yeah, and and which I think is interesting. You and I were talking last week. You know, we talked about Genesis one being a polemic against the Egyptian gods. Right. And so here's God, you know, basically taking a swipe at the gods. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Genesis 6, which is the flood story, but it begins with the sons of God, who we believe are an angelic beings or divine beings. Right. And, but then they give birth to the Nephilim, who are the great men of renown, the mighty men of old. Right. And so they've got this, um, the heroes of their faith, basically. Sure. So God takes a swipe at them at, at the flood story. And then now we're coming down to God's basically taking a swipe at how the individual practices their religion. How, right. do, how do they worship? Yeah. And so it's kind of this narrowing of focus from, you know, the highest to lowest that's going on here. And it's like the way you guys have been doing it, it's messed up. There's a problem here.
2: Yeah. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's it, cool.
1: It really, and it, 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 you don't get this when you put it in a flannel, gra- gra- flannel graph version. It, it really does become about, oh, well, you're so proud that you could think you can even reach God, and mm-hmm. there's, there's an aspect of that, but I think it's you're so proud that you think you can, you can control commit, okay. God. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's. That, I mean, that's. I mean, yeah that 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 makes it even more. uh Crazy act of defiance.
1: Well I, well, I mean, we still do it today.
2: Right. Oh, I mean, yeah.
1: You you give God um, this amount of money, and he's going to bless you greatly, and you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and seed time and harvest. And, okay, I won't go too far on that, but we think we can control God. Right. And that's a problem. So,
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. yeah we definitely, <laughs> t- well, and that's like with what you had, you, you talk about all the time, it's like the difference between uh christianity and witchcraft the difference between i guess worship and witchcraft would be i guess probably the more succinct way to say it is that you know if you if you're worshiping then you're you're telling god like hey you're you you call the shots you're you're the one who's ruling but if you're you know witchcraft you're trying to manipulate god into giving you something right
1: yeah christians christians operate in submission to the holy spirit Uh, In witchcraft, you try to control the spirits, and I don't care which spirit you're trying to control. The minute you start controlling a spirit, and I I take a hard line on that because we act like we can control God, and and we can make appeals to God, and I think we're supposed to. Yeah, we absolutely should. uh, But to say that, God, you have to do this if I do that, or God's obligated to do anything because we think he is— we're in the wrong and yeah. God doesn't, he's sovereign. It's his way every day. And if we don't take back seat and let him drive the bus, then God sometimes will let us drive for a while, but we're always going to crash Yeah, every single time. So, and what's, what's interesting in this is uh, kind of coming back to that because here, they're kind of taking this elevated position of God's to mm-hmm. build this. The Bible specifically in the Hebrew calls them the son of the sons of the earth oh wow uh, yeah. okay that's <laughs> <laughs> and he he's not taking any prisoners, I'm trying to uh, bene ha adam so sons of the S- earth the sons
2: of Adam yeah
1: yeah, well, and Adam is from the earth so uh and so there's so many other words that God could have used for humanity, for men, for yeah. it doesn't have to be this specific so God's just like smack
2: yeah that that's pretty funny that's really funny yeah,
1: well and then if you notice they say come let us come let us make bricks come let us build a city come mm-hmm. let us. what's god say god says come let us go down
2: I mean, it's, yeah. it's <laughs> oh oh i'm invited to the party let me check this out
1: <laughs> which is funny because the, their whole purpose in building this is to get god to come down
2: yeah and well, he does yeah, I mean, well, it's it's like you talk about with job, I mean, it's that it's a parallel with job too, when mm-hmm. job basically is is i mean, he's doing it differently. I mean, he's not he's not building a tower, but he is basically going to the like going to God and complaining and complaining and complaining and and when God finally shows up, uh, God just God doesn't answer his question even. He doesn't do what he expects. He, he asks him a whole bunch of questions. It's and job like, says, oh, yeah, I, I'm i messing with powers beyond me. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, it's it's really funny uh, the, to, to put that parallel in there, too. It's it's amazing. Uh,
1: yeah, and when you start to see how this, how this plays off each other, then you start getting these, these very different threads that come to the surface. Uh, and that's, to me, that's what makes it really interesting. And I love the way that God just... There, there's a little bit of snark, um, a little bit of sarcasm. And he, he says... Yeah, let us. What I, I love about this, and this is one of those weird little grammar things that's not going to make everybody else as happy as it made me. But when he says, let us confuse or confound their language, mm-hmm. the Hebrew word there is a form of another word that, that you only see. I mean, it, it's very grammatically correct, and it does mean to confuse or confound, but you only find the way it's written in the past tense or in their future tense. At, that you've got going on here because Hebrews like English and your different tenses, you have different yep. spellings. Yep. And so in this spelling, the letters are the exact same letters as the word for brick, but reversed. Yeah. So it, it's like God specifically designed this one word to just play with their minds, to tell yeah. us this story. And it, it it's great. Um, I love this. So now God, he, bring, he pulls up these, these themes, he pulls off the, the bricks and the come let us, and, and he still never identifies a, a person. He's not against a single individual in all of this. And this is what has led the Hebrew scholars, when they read this, they don't see the sin so much as being reaching up to heaven. They see the sin in the uniformity. Okay, that the conformity the uniformity is actually far more damaging and a threat to the health of humanity than even the rebellious act
0: right um, Did you have anything
2: else on that?
1: No, I actually do um because I, I have
2: something else I want to ask about, but go ahead
1: yeah th- this is a great quote uh. I brought up the book subversive sequels by Judy Klitzner um uh, mm-hmm. in the retelling and it says and it, she she wrote this an individual even a rebellious one is more godly than a mindless member member of the human herd and
2: well i mean that would kind of make sense because i mean he he created us to be above the animals mm-hmm. and he, you know so so for us to deny our, our individuality, and again, not in a way that, that just completely throws society into chaos, because there, there has to be a balance. I mean, it's a both and. You have to be part of society, but you still want to be an individual. I mean, at that point, basically, you are just becoming a herd animal.
1: Well, and the, what's really interesting, Rashi tells a story um, that basically, I'm trying to remember it, That they were building the tower, and as they're building the tower, they're taking the bricks on a pallet up the the tower. Okay. And and a rope breaks, and an individual and the pallet of bricks all fall to the ground. Okay, And the city cried and lamented, not over the death of the individual, but over the loss of the bricks. And (laughs) that's where they're taking this. These Jewish commentators are taking this idea that to be a part of a, Well, cities are never good in Genesis anyway. Right. I and mean, Cain builds the first one. You've got Sodom and Gomorrah. Then you've got this. Uh, anytime any of the patriarchs go to a city, there's a problem. So mm-hmm. there, there's this idea that cities, there's an evilness about cities.
2: Well, and, and it's kind of funny that you bring that up. And this is actually just a quick point on this because you said we're not, we're not going to be doing a lot of covering of Genesis one. But um, one of the things that I was listening <laughs> to Miriam Brand. And uh, great podcast, by the way, Understanding Sin and Evil with Miriam Brand. Oh my goodness, if you want to get deep in the weeds of Second Temple literature without actually being able to read, she's, man, she's got it. She is so sharp. But one of the things that I found was interesting, and I think it was her that I heard this from, was, um, you know, when God tells Cain, you're not going to have any land, then Cain builds a city we think well, he's just being defiant of God because, you know, he doesn't have lands. So Who's going to build a city? But no, what's, what's interesting about it, think about this. What was Cain? He was a farmer. And God says, I'm taking away your farm. So someone, without, someone living in a city is saying, I don't have land. I don't have an inheritance. So I'm going to have to make my way through trade and, 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 and commerce. So living in the city isn't staking out land. That's living in a place without land. So it's actually it is fulfillment of what God said, because we think, oh well, God made this curse on him, and then he just ignored the curse. How do you just get to ignore the curse? That's that's what we think of in our Western society, because we think of to build a city, you have to buy land and develop it, but it's the opposite. It's saying you don't have a farm, you you don't have a, a homestead to pass down to future generations.
1: Well, And that's where if you look at the idea that God, when they go into the promised land, everyone has their own allotment. Every tribe has their allotment. The families have rules in place to keep the land within the family, Mm -hmm. within Mm -hmm. the tribe. The story of Ruth is all about the land. We forget that. Right. Right. And so it's very important. It's not
2: about how to be a pure Christian woman in a oh no romantic relationship. And
1: when we get to Ruth, we we might fry a few people's brains on that one, but uh, no, it it really isn't. And so the land is of the utmost important. This is you know you got to remember the next story that comes after this Tower of Babel, is God calling Abraham right? And what's the promise to Abraham? I'm going to give you this land right. You're going to have a lot of sons. You're going to have this land. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to give you a great name. Right. The very thing these other people were trying to create for themselves, I'm going to make it happen for you.
2: So so you're, so you're saying that, that you know, you're not going to be able to systematize greatness. It's right. all in the hands of God.
1: Pretty much. I mean, you know, I think you know, we got to be realistic. We live in a world where there are certain formulas that do work. Sure. And they work for certain people very well, some better than others. Look at politics, Hollywood, right? not to get too specific on names. It, this happens for whatever reason. But then God, he doesn't worry about the systems. The systems, don't, they don't matter to him. Right. And if you're serving the system above God, there's a pretty good chance God isn't going to let you have it. God will disrupt the system a lot of times for people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I'm a big... I kind of get this, one of my things that I think about, and I could be wrong, but one of my theories is if you put anything in front of God, he's either going to let you have so much of it, you're going to drown in it, mm-hmm. or he's going to completely take it away from you. Right. And sometimes I think, you know, one's not necessarily better than the other. So, Whoa, no,
2: Well, no, neither one, because either one is still judgment. So one thing that I want to tack on here, I just want to ask about this, and this is again, just me thinking out loud. But it kind of ties in because it says, um, let's build a tower so, lest we be, be dispersed through all the earth. So we've already kind of covered that a little bit. We were talking about how, you know, they're in defiance of, you know, go out and subdue the earth. Um, so, you know, this was probably before a lot of uh, navigation uh, that, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, people aren't really, you don't travel to other cities. And so is it kind of this, this uh, tower is going to be so tall that we can see it wherever we are, and it's going to be kind of our anchor point. Right. Well, they're um, on the
1: plains of Shannar. Sure. So they're on... A, 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 it, the um, word there is actually this round circular disk. So, yeah, you would be able to see it for miles. Yeah. Because there's there's no trees. There's no big mountains. There's no... It, it's it's scrub brush, and um, probably always has been. It sure. was even great farmland. Huh. And it, it's really... so. Even the whole story to say this is where they're at is like these people are so foolish and so stupid, right? That they they don't even get what you need to build a city.
2: That's uh, and yeah, so that that's cool. That's that's just like again something <laughs> off the top of my head. Now you, you mentioned the 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 land there that it wasn't good farmland. Uh, that this is just I'm gonna throw this out there. Um, biblical geography. We know that that's geography is important when we're studying mm-hmm. verses. Do you have off the top of your head, uh, or should, we'll p- try to put it in the show notes if you can think of one, just a good resource for uh, understanding biblical geography and what the places were like?
1: I, I really don't, and, and I need to find something. Okay. Because there's not a lot of people who just, just focus on climate and culture and because that's really
2: there were no there were no GIS degrees.
1: yeah, it, it's it's not happening back in the day, Mm-mm.
2: geographical information systems.
1: No, but, uh, I did want to bring out there's two things that, that I think are really important. Uh, I, I said that the story shows back up again mm-hmm. over and over again. uh the next place the story shows up, like really shows up big time, is someplace that you completely do not expect it. And it's in Exodus one. And what's interesting about Exodus one is, if you know the Hebrew meaning for the word exodus, then it gets really interesting. Would you care to take a guess for the name exodus? Leaving. No. Well, the, the Hebrew name for the, the Hebrew book. the
2: Hebrew name I don't know. Um, okay. Well, you know said the it. Bob Marley song.
1: <laughs> you said it actually. Uh, it's the book of names.
2: Oh, is it? Is it? <laughs> it's the book of names. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting
1: yeah and so if you read through Genesis, uh, Exodus one, uh, you kind of get this introductory material where um these are the main players. There arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph, so he he didn't know Joseph's name. He mm-hmm. didn't know who he was. and um they're they're you know, they're scared of the Hebrew people. They're too numerous. They might actually rise up and rebel,
2: right. And well, I mean, I guess I probably should have known because the first line, uh, sorry, these are the names, and usually mm-hmm. the first line of something is what you'll see something named in Hebrew text. Right. So,
1: and once you get once you get past this little bit of names, like just the, and you can see it's like what three verses. Uh huh. Um, then you go into a story, and there's no names again. You go back to a, an account, and in this account, this is Pharaoh who's. By the way, Pharaoh is never named in the Bible. He's just called by the title. right? And so uh, he's giving the account and he says, oh, come let us build cities. And why are they going to build cities out of? Bricks and mortar. Right. And, oh, I'm sorry. Actually, that's wrong. They build it out of mortar and bricks. (laughs) And so in in Genesis 11, Tower of Babel, they're building out of bricks and mortar. Mm -hmm. And now here's the tip-off. They're going to the Moses, the author, reverses it, mortar and bricks. So this tells you that even though there's similarities between the story of what's going down, there's going to be a, a reversal.
2: Right, well, and that's actually kind of funny that you mentioned that. Um, I don't know if this is where you're going with it, but um, so you have, you have uh, people, uh, bricks and mortar, and God comes down and he judges them and he disperses them. Mm-hmm. Now it's speculated that you know, there was the famine, and of course, you know this is getting on with uh Isaac or Jacob mm, Israel, Jacob, yeah, so uh, you know there's the famine and and Jacob and his sons move to Egypt, mm-hmm. and one they're they're not where they're supposed to be, right right um so that's that's one thing, so they the famine goes on, they move out to Egypt where they're where they're not supposed to be, quote unquote I mean you can look at it however you want, mm-hmm. but it's speculated. That if it was not for the, um, the Egyptian captivity, the 400 years of, of, of slavery, that the, that the sons would have just dispersed and not become a nation. And That's a good point. So it's kind of interesting when you talk about, okay, now we're doing something backwards. We're using the Israelites making brick and mortar and buildings to bring them together.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that is interesting. I hadn't thought of it from that way because they are being kind of contained, and mm-hmm. the the word there in, in Exodus is actually swarming.
2: Right, and uh, I'm sorry, and in, and Gifts of the Jews, I think, is where I came across that Cahill.
1: That sounds like a Cahill thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, but the the word means swarming, and if you go back in Leviticus, it's very interesting. There's a uh, there's a theory that basically anything that swarms. Uh, even though it's considered unclean as far as you are not supposed to touch it and mess with it and what have you, mm-hmm. that all swarming things aren't unclean because um, they aren't good enough for God, but they actually belong to God. And so they're unclean for us to touch or they're f- unclean for us to mess with, but they belong ultimately to God. Okay. And so this idea of a swarming mass and what we see in Egypt, the swarming mass, now they're consigned to do a building projects. And these building projects reduce people to nameless masses. Sure. They, they do not have individuality. But because we have this tip-off that there is going to be a reversal, we have the first two names of an individual in Exodus. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, Sifra and Pua. And these are actually the midwives. Right. And they're the ones who stand up against Pharaoh.
2: Right. They're, they're the ones, yeah, again, you're back to that. The people who are acting counter to the cultural norms, who are not just going along, just just go with the flow, those are the people again who get names. I mean, we that and and lowly and midwives, they would have been servants. Yeah, we don't name Pharaoh, but we name the midwives.
1: And and not only do they get a name, they get a family and they get a home.
2: Right, and 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 that's where that Psalm is. You know, God sets the lonely into families.
1: Right, and what's and the other real fun piece of this too is if you look at their names in Hebrew. They're anagrams for, for Pharaoh. They contain all the letters of Pharaoh's name. So the Bible is symbolically setting them up as equal to or greater than Pharaoh. Right. Because in the, in the Torah, the, um, the name is who you are. Sure. It's the essence of your personality. Right. And so they are, they're being set up as, as greater than uh, to Pharaoh because they literally hold life in their hands. Yeah. And they're the ones who actually make the final determination, not Pharaoh who's made this decree. They're the ones who say, "Uh-uh, you get to live."
2: That's 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 so cool. And and when you think about it, in this this kind of I, I do like that story though because when when they whenever they're not killing the babies, they go back and what do they do? They lie about it.
0: Right. And they say <laughs>
2: They, oh, well, you know, these, the Hebrew women, they're not like the Egyptians. They, they're out laboring all day. So they, they know how, they're strong enough to, by the time we get there, the baby's already born. We can't do anything. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's. It's,
1: so it shows, yeah, it shows back up. And, and what I, the other, uh, this, but this story in, in Exodus, I'm going to give a little bit of a hint because we're getting ready to go into uh, the next story whenever we get, come back our next episode. About Abraham in Egypt with Pharaoh, uh, mm-hmm. we were asked about that. This story actually shows up again, and it's, it's interesting that it's connected to to Pharaoh and, and Abraham
0: the, and, the Tower, of and Babel. the Tower of Babel. Yeah,
1: and so uh, just a little hint there because the Bible is interconnected. That there's not a straight line. It, it really is this web of of interconnected points that you. You have to get familiar with the text.
2: Yeah, and and actually it was kind of funny. I was I think it was uh Chuck from New Community when he was uh talking about how uh Israelite history is just a mess.
0: Yeah, it, right? It,
2: it's it's one of those things that well, it's kinda of like how we tell stories. Like <laughs> whatever
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> we do you do this too. I but I'm bad about this. I'll start a story and then be like well, before we get to that, though, you need to understand this part. But the, the problem is there's no segues within the text like that. So a lot of times you'll get something that, you know, it's like, you know, you're talking on the phone. You say, uh, well, I, I, I ran into, uh, you know, I, I, hit, I, hit, I had a wreck. And you're like, well, you had a wreck? What happened? Well, I was digging around in my seat. Well, that didn't happen after you had the wreck. You know, it's it's that yeah. kind of thing where you know it's kind of understood within the text that this is you know this happened, but then we go back to maybe th- then a lot of times we go back to well this is what, is what led up to it. So, so yeah, the it's
1: the the it's not in chrono- chronological order. Yeah, uh, it, there's a general well, that was much flow. more succinct. Uh, occasionally, I can do that, <laughs> not all the time. Uh, but, you know, there's a kind of a general flow of this is the direction we're traveling. But then, yes, there are those little, little points that go back in a- and explain why this is happening or that is happening. And so as you learn the text and get familiar with it, because th- there's just no substitute to going through and reading and rereading and, and right. going over it again. Because, you know, I've been in Genesis for years now. I've just Yeah, you camped- you've been
2: yeah, you've been in there for at least 2 3 years yeah. taking that apart.
1: And, and there and there's just I keep finding more and more and even when I was preparing for this it's like, "Oh, I need to put that in. Oh, I need to talk about that. Oh, I want to talk about that. Oh, that's amazing." And yeah, uh, and it just never stops. And that's the reason why I'm so convinced when people ask me, "How are you sure you can trust the Bible?" I have not found a point in scripture that I can stop digging and say, I completely understand this. I've got every bit of good out of this. I just haven't. So when I when I go through and read this stuff and I see how it is interconnected, it, it just gets, it gets better. It gets more nuanced, more vibrant. And, and so that's one of the things I hope people are doing that when we say, hey, read Tower of Babel, read Exodus 1. Yeah see, you know, go back and, and just if you read those stories and get familiar with them, it's going to help you because when we get ready to move into some of these other stories, we're going to be all over the place because mm-hmm. the other thing that I didn't even bring up I mean more so than today. more so than today. Well, because I skip. shoot. <laughs> I skip so much, but you know, Rashi even connects um, the Tower of Babel with Isaiah 14. Okay, and Isaiah 14 is the passage about the fall of Satan. Okay. So we could have gone down Isaiah fourteen and Ezekiel. We could have I
2: Yeah. Well yeah. And, and we'll probably still hit some of that later on. But yeah, that's I yeah, it's so fun to get into all this and just start start pulling it apart. So um what else? Do we is that it for today or do we have more?
1: Well, I, I think that kind of gets there. I think the, the big takeaway, if you don't take away anything else, is stand up, be an individual. Mm-hmm. Um don't get lost in the in the herd and um maybe uh what the status quo is is not god's status quo and so you need to
2: so one last thing is do you think this is kind of uh so this is kind of your archetypical story archetypal story for uh for zombie films
1: okay and we can go on this one because i have taken this apart but yeah no there is something about the, the the zombie uh are you really alive if you're just one of the mass? And what does God called, called us to? Right. And you know, you need brains to be able to determine whether or not you're actually alive and accomplishing and living. And so what do zombies want? Brains. Yeah. Because they don't know. They can't tell on their own. They're not smart enough to figure it out. So it, it, there's a lot of metaphors in there and you can, you know. Yeah, we,
2: we could really, really, we could really, yeah, we could go on a whole nother trip, but yeah, that sounds like fun. Maybe we'll do that one day and get deeper into the maybe weeds on that one. Do
1: that one on Commentarians.
2: Yeah, yeah, maybe we should. So, um uh yeah, Commentarians, you can find that at ravencreeksc.com. Um you can find our show there, you can find blog posts, companion pieces. Um So, go check that out. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe. Um if you're watching on YouTube, the button's probably over there. Um but Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, be sure to subscribe there. If you really like what you heard, write us a review iTunes or YouTube, interact with us. Um, then also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Raven Creek SC. That's where you'll be able to find us. Um, and, uh, we'll be sure to, to, you know, we'll be there.
1: Well, and we want to hear from you. We wanna know you're out there. Yep, it, it's encouraging.
2: And if something from this episode, uh, you know, sparks something in your brain that you want to know more about, let us know. We'll look up, look it up, and see what we can find out. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll be glad to see you next week. Bye.
0: You've been listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on iTunes, or consider supporting us on patreon.com slash ravencreeksc. As always, thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us next week.